0: To see you in the room and those of you that are tuning in online, um, we're so excited that you're here. My name is Megan. For those of you I have not met yet, my husband Carrie and I are the lead pastors here at the Movement Church, and I'm just, I just want to tell you, I, I am so proud of you. I really couldn't be more proud of you for a couple reasons. One right now is all of you in the room, you are really good at following instructions. Do you know how I know that? Because you're all sitting right in the center of the room. And that means, come on, give yourself a hand. That means you were like, okay, this time I'll listen to the ushers, and I'll move into the center of the room, even though I want to hide on the sides, but I love it because I get to see everybody when I'm preaching, and so good job, pat yourself on the back. You did a good job today. If you're online, I'm sorry, just imagine the room right now, okay? They're packed in this place, and I'm excited to get started, but really, I really am proud of you for showing up on Saturday night. In church, leaning in, saying, God, what do you want to speak to me? And for those of you who are logged in online tomorrow morning, Sunday morning at 10 a.m., hey, I'm proud of you. You got up this morning, you rolled out of bed, hopefully you put some clothes on, and you're tuned into church right now. What better place to be? I'm so proud that you're here. And um, we're going to dive in today. But before we do that, I I was thinking as Pastor Joe and Israel were up here uh, entertaining us because that was so much fun, I was thinking, uh, I, I want you to know that next week with Movement Night, you need to make plans to be here. I, I'm really encouraging you as a pastor, make plans to show up in the room Sunday night. And, and don't skip Saturday either, okay? This is not like a, I'll just go on Sunday and not Saturday. No, no I'm telling you, come both times. Both are going to be amazing. Um, but we have a special worship leader that's going to be in joining our team. And uh, her name is Michelle Lutz. And um, I just think you're going to want to be in the room. She's going to be with us Saturday night, but she's going to be with us again on Sunday night for Movement Night. And um, you don't want to miss it. I think God's got something pretty incredible in store for us. And if you haven't joined us in person yet, maybe that's the week that you want to give it a try. We'd love to see you there. But we're diving in tonight to a brand new series called Walking with Wisdom. And it's from the book of Proverbs. Now, I don't know if you've read the book of Proverbs in your Bible, but but the book of Proverbs is like a PhD in wisdom. I'm telling you, if you are looking to grow in your revelation of understanding who God is and what his plan is for your life, I'm telling you, you need to dive into the book of Proverbs with us. And the word Proverbs, it actually has a meaning in Hebrew, and the word is mashal. In Hebrew, the word is mashal. And it has two meanings. And one of them is this, a parable or a metaphor. A parable or a metaphor. That means that this book paints a picture with words of God's plan for our lives. And the second meaning is this. It means to rule or take dominion. To rule or take dominion. And what that means for us is that inside this book of the Bible, we're going to find insight. We're going to find understanding for what it looks like to succeed in life. Does anybody want to succeed in life in the room right now? I mean, some of you did not raise your hand you have to be lying, right? I think we all want to succeed in life, and this book holds some keys for that, and so we're going to begin to unpack that, and, and I'm, I'm just challenging you. You ought to grab this book out in our lobby today. Um, it's a beautiful coffee piece, a co- coffee table piece. That's what I'm trying to say. It really is, but I, it might also remind you to read your Bible, It's a a good one, and if you're online, you can order this online, and I'm just telling you, grab one of these. We're going to be going through it, and I'm going to read to you tonight from the very beginning, and it's in chapter one, and it tells us the purpose of the Proverbs. It says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, the king of Israel. It says their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. I don't know about you. I don't love that word right there, but we need it. It says to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. To help them do what is right, what is just, and what is fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple. They'll give knowledge and discernment to the young. Come on, teenagers and college students, this is for you. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Listen, it says this, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in the fools category. (laughs) Anybody else? (laughs) So I want to encourage you to lean in as we explore this book of Proverbs. I think that you're going to find some tools to guide your steps in your life and launch you into your destiny. If you live in this book, wisdom will live in you. You know what's interesting about the book of Proverbs is there's actually 31 chapters. And you know, like, most months in the year have how many days? 31 31 days. Which means you could read a proverb a day for the rest of your life, and and probably learn something new every single time. The Word of God is living, it's active, it's applicable for us every day of our lives, and so I want to challenge you to dive in with us. Don't just show up at church, but during the week, I want to challenge you to read one proverb a day. We're going to start tomorrow, Proverbs one, day one, and we're going to read together a chapter a day for 31 days, and I'm telling you, anyone can do that. So, if you're not used to reading your Bible, here's a great place to start. Join us in this, and then we're going to be exploring. Um, we're going to be exploring just some different topics that Proverbs talks about. I almost put this down, but I've got one more verse to read. We're going to be exploring some different topics that Proverbs talks about. As you come to church on Saturday nights, and tonight, we're going to talk about guarding your affections. Guarding your affections. Look at a neighbor and say, guard your affections. So I'm going to read to you one more scripture and then we're going to dive in. Are you ready? Are you leaning in? Are you awake? Okay, here we go. This is found in Proverbs chapter four, verse 20 through 27. And it says this, my child is talking to all of us. Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. This is what is about to happen. God is wanting to unlock something for you. Life for you. Healing for you. Hope for you. And the wisdom we're going to find in this book is key to that. It continues on and it says this and hold on to these verses. It says, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Let me take a minute and pray for us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus, I just thank you. God, for every person who is in the room, for every person who's tuned in online, God, I thank you that... We're here, and you're here. And God, your word reminds us that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. So right now, in this moment, every single one of us, we're leaning into you. God, I ask that you would speak to us. God, I ask that individually, every single person would hear your voice. God, that you would encourage our hearts, that you would challenge our hearts, and that you would help us to grow in wisdom and understanding, because we want more of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That just means I agree. You know, we're going to talk about this scripture called guarding about guarding your affections guarding your heart. And so as I was as I was starting to prepare for this message I was thinking how do I explain to everyone who's listening what it looks like to guard something? And so the best picture that I could give you right now and I know you can't see her I should have had you bring her to me but we've got baby Ariel here on the front row. Pastor Israel and Sophia's little baby girl and she is like 4 months old. Okay. If Pastor Israel and Sophia brought me their baby and they said, I want you to watch baby Ariel, and they handed her to me, they would essentially be telling me, Megan, I'm expecting you to guard her with your life because she's their baby. She's their little girl and she means the world to them. And so if I was to take that little baby, you better believe that I'm going to do everything that I can to guard her with my life. The definition of guard means to protect from danger, to protect from danger by watchful attention watchful attention, to tend to carefully and intentionally, to preserve and protect. So this is what the scriptures telling us when it's telling us to guard our heart. It's saying, hey, I want you to pay really close attention to what's going on inside of your heart. I want you to protect it. I want you to know what's happening. I want you to be intentional with your heart. The scripture says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Listen, for all of us, I think we're very well aware that your physical heart, your physical heart, it has everything to do with your life, right? If your heart stops, your life stops, right? It's the central organ in your body. And spiritually speaking, you need to understand that the heart is central to everything in your life. The heart is our inner being. It's our soul. It's, listen to this, it is our real self. And I just kinda wanna linger there for a moment. Because when you stop and you think about your real self, what comes to mind? You see, this is our heart. It's from our heart that our deepest thoughts and desires come from. And what's on the inside will sooner or later express itself on the outside in our words and in our actions. You know, as I was reading the scripture, the Hebrew word for heart that is used in this passage of scripture, it's pronounced lev. And it has several different meanings, and I just found them so interesting as we're thinking about our heart. So I want you to think about your heart as I read these definitions. It says one's inner self, one's inclination, disposition, determination. Courage, will, intention, attention, consideration, and reason. You know, when the word heart is used in the scripture, it often refers to the mind or the soul. And if you've been here for the past series that we were walking through, we talked a lot about the mind and the soul. We talked about the fact that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, I want to ask you tonight what is getting the attention of your heart? Answer that question for yourself. What is getting the attention of your heart? You know, we just recently moved, and I don't know about you, I hate moving but I was really excited about where we were moving, so that was helpful. But we had to pack up our entire house in boxes, and, and we packed everything into a storage unit for a little while, and, and in that storage unit, it was absolutely full of boxes. I think we have a video. We're gonna give it a go. Can you guys see? Okay, it was packed. From the front to the back, from the bottom to the top, I'm telling you, we, we fit as much in that storage unit as we possibly could. It was packed. And I, I was thinking about our hearts, and I was thinking how our heart is like a storage unit. It's the storage unit of our life. And, and if you were to take some inventory of what is in the storage unit of your heart, what would it look like? What would be the boxes that are stacked in the storage unit of your heart? I, I really want you to consider this for a moment. You know, when we were packing, I found this old box of memories, and, and we began to go through it, and I, I found, I don't know if any of you keep memories, but I began to find things that I thought, why did I keep this? Like, there was some random stuff in these boxes. And and so we were going through and cleaning out, throwing some things away, keeping other things. But one of the things that I found was this Ziploc bag, and inside of it was a Ritz cracker. You guys, I have no idea why we kept a Ritz cracker. But I can tell you this. That Ritz cracker looked exactly the same when I opened it as it did 20 years prior when I put it in a memory box. Gross. I hate to tell you this, but we should probably not be eating Ritz crackers. It's like probably poison. Just letting you know there were some crazy things in the boxes as we were packing them away. And I just wonder what might be some things in the, the storage unit of your heart what might be some memories? Some things that might be poisoning your soul. Could it be offense? You know, offense offense lingers. And when left in the storage unit of our hearts, offense often often becomes bitterness. I wonder how many of you might be able to reflect on some bitterness that maybe you've held on to like that Ziploc bag with the Ritz cracker (laughs) tucked away in the the storage unit of your heart what other things are there maybe it's rejection you know when I think about memories and I think about the, the memory boxes I look at pictures and friendships and people that were in my life at one time but maybe aren't there now. And it's easy for rejection to get tucked away in the storage unit of our heart. Maybe it's lust. And this is the kind of box that when we hold on to the the thoughts, the pictures the replays of the things that we've looked at or, or done. When we hold on to it in the storage unit of our hearts, these are the things we like to tuck away and really make sure they're covered up. What's, what's going on in the storage unit of your heart? What's going on in the storage unit of your heart? You know, there's several others. What if insecurities? shame? What's in the storage unit of your heart? See, I think we can all be quiet in this room and ponder and reflect because every single one of us can identify with some things that we've allowed to be stored up inside of our heart, and we know they don't belong there. And the scripture says, above all else, guard your heart. You know, the The scripture we went through last week in Philippians said, it said, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything with thanksgiving and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You see, there's some tools that the Bible has given us to help us know what to do with the storage unit of our heart. The storage unit that you saw on the screen right there that was a hot mess full of boxes and things from top to bottom, from the front to the back, we could not even get inside of it. So we had to pay somebody to help us organize it, to clean it out, to get rid of some of the things that didn't belong and to help us organize the things that did belong. And I'm just saying there are some tools in the scripture for you and for me that will help us learn what it looks like to guard our hearts. You see, the Bible tells us that that guarding our hearts is is really an act of surrender. For those of you who are here and you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus, this really applies to you. Maybe you're here and you're just checking us out. You're not sure where you stand in your faith. Or you just tuned in online and you're like, I don't really know what I believe. Hey, permission to belong before you believe. But if you're here and you call yourself a Christ follower, then I just want to remind you that when you made a decision to follow Jesus, oftentimes we refer to that as asking Jesus into our heart, inviting Jesus into our heart. Why? Because when we invite Jesus into our heart, essentially we're saying, God, I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm inviting you in to the place where everything from my life flows. I'm inviting you into the storage unit of my heart, and I'm saying, God, I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. I'm surrendered to you. Would you help me in the storage unit of my heart to get rid of the things that don't belong and to help me hold on to the things that do belong there? That's what I'm doing when I'm inviting Jesus into my heart. I'm saying, Hey, I'm not trying to hide it anymore, I'm not trying to keep you out. I'm surrendering. This to you. You know when you, when you have guests over to your house and, and it's a hot mess and you take everything that you can find and you stuff it in like a closet or a room and, and then your guest is walking around the house and they start to open that door and you're like, not that one! <laughs> Anybody? I think sometimes we approach God that way. Like, like we don't want him to see what's in the storage unit of our heart But yet, he knows it all anyway. So the scripture tells us above all else, guard your heart because from your heart, from your thought life, comes everything else in your life. Our first priority is to deal with this, to deal with the heart, to make the inner self right. But you know what? It doesn't mean that the outer self is just going to align. So we have some work to do there as well. That's why the scripture continues on in Proverbs 4, and it says this. Are you ready? Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. I have some memes I think you need to see. Do we have those? If I ran just as much as my mouth, I'd be in good shape. I saw that, and I was like, yes, Lord. That's the truth. What's the other one? Maturing is realizing how many things do not require my comment. I don't know about you, but I have a lot to learn about guarding my speech. Here's the thing I do know, I know that words matter. That old phrase, sticks and stones will break your bones but words will never hurt you, that was a lie. And we're gonna unpack this more in week three, but but I just wanna hang here and say, one of the things we have to guard is the way that we speak. We've gotta guard the words that we say. We gotta think before we speak. You know, the other day in the car, I had my, my kids in the car and one of Avery's friends and, and we were driving uh, to drop them off somewhere and Avery was telling me about this project that she wanted to do. And I got her permission to tell this story, okay guys? Nobody, nobody worry. And, and she's telling me about this project and how for her project she wanted to bake a cake of the Titanic. <laughs> All year long, Avery has wanted to bake cakes for her projects. And at this moment, I was just thinking, we cannot bake another cake. Like, I, I don't bake cakes. I don't bake cakes ever, much less the Titanic. And so she's like, I wanna bake a cake of the Titanic. And my response to her, because I spoke before I was thinking, <laughs> was simply, Avery, you actually have to have a skill set to do that. (laughs) My daughter Brooklyn goes, oh my gosh! (laughs) We all were laughing really hard and like crying at the same time. Here's what I meant. What I meant was, I don't have the skill set to bake a cake like that, and you are not a cake baker, therefore, no one in our family can help bake a cake of the Titanic. That's what I meant, but it's not what came out of my mouth. (laughs) I had to call my daughter and apologize to her and say, I promise, I was not, I was not saying that it's impossible for you to bake a cake, and I believe in you and anything you set your mind to do. And I, I really felt bad about it, but how many of you are guilty of just speaking before you think? Anybody? Do I have any friends? I tell, I tell Pastor Carrie this all the time, you should think before you speak. <laughs> it hasn't worked yet. <laughs> Sometimes I think guarding our speech means, friends, you got to learn how to bite your tongue. Not everything requires a comment. Not everything needs your defense. Not not everybody really cares or needs to know what you're thinking. I'm just saying that we've got to be good stewards of guarding our speech. Proverbs makes it clear throughout the entire book of Proverbs, read it, you'll find out, that crooked speech points to the path of the wicked. It's not a path I want to be on. It says stay away from corrupt speech. Now that doesn't just mean dishonest speech. Listen, it also can mean any good and honest communication without the proper content, context, or purpose. We gotta guard the words that come out of our mouth. Guarding the heart And our speech in wisdom includes guarding any speech that contains elements contrary to what the Lord loves. Anything contrary to what the Lord loves. And maybe some of you are asking, well, what does God love? Well, here's one thing I can tell you. If you were having a conversation with your friend and Jesus walked up, would he love your conversation? It's a great filter. Some of you just simply need the filter of, if my mom was listening to my conversation, (laughs) would she approve of my conversation or the words that I'm using? Let me just go there for a moment. Proverbs says, avoid all perverse talk. What's your speech look like? What are the things that you're just comfortable having conversations about that maybe you need to get a little uncomfortable with? Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 tells us this. Here's some things that God hates. The reason I'm gonna read this to you is because I think it stands to reason that if we can understand what God doesn't like, then we can apply some of those truths to our speech, right? So it says this, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Some, Some versions say they're detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord amongst the brothers. Three of those have everything to do with our speech. They have everything to do with what we say. I I just want to pause and be a mom in the room for a moment. How many of you, and please don't raise your hands, how many of you struggle with lying? Maybe it's the first thing that, that comes to the tip of your tongue, and it's just become natural for you. The root of that being that you don't want to let anybody down, or that you don't want to deal with the shame of the mistakes that you may have made, or whatever it looks like, but, but those excuses don't work for lying. How many of you catch yourself caught up in conversations about other people who aren't there? You don't have to raise your hand, but I would imagine every one of us is guilty of this. Getting caught up in a conversation, whether it's because we're angry and offended, or because we just heard something about someone and we've got to share it with our friends, Maybe we're frustrated with our boss, and as soon as he leaves the room, it's like the conversation kicks off with all of our buddies. Like, I really don't understand that. And it's just negative. It's dissension. It's stirring up dissension. And there's six things God hates, but seven. One, the last one, detestable to him, an abomination to him. And that's the person who stirs up dissension amongst the brothers and sisters. I just gotta ask you friends, how's your speech? Are you guarding your mouth? Are you guarding what you're talking about and who you're talking about? Because if someone is not with you in the conversation, it's gossip. If they're not there in that moment, it's gossip. Ephesians 4 says, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. Hey, this is something we could live by. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. So maybe before you speak next time, you should run it through the filter of Is this helpful? Is this helpful? Is this encouraging? for someone is this positive about the person that I'm speaking about or speaking to maybe you could run it through that filter at the movement church we like to say every single one of us we have two buckets okay so just pretend you have two buckets go ahead right now pretend they're in your hands I'm just making sure you're awake that's all that's happening okay you've got two buckets and in those buckets one of them you've got some water in the other one you've got some gasoline And in every situation you are in, you have the ability to either ignite it or diffuse it. Every situation you are in, you have the ability to choose what you're going to say. And it will either ignite the situation because you're throwing some gasoline on it, or it will diffuse the situation because you're bringing some water to the fire. And I'm just here to tell you that if you are a follower of Jesus, Peace should follow. Peace should follow you. Every interaction with friends, with the people that you work with, peace should follow those interactions. So let me just challenge us. Let's guard our heart. Let's also guard our speech. The next thing is this. Guard your eyes. Guard your eyes. The scripture says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Okay? to guard our eyes. Shakespeare said it like this. He said, the eyes are the window to the soul. I like that word picture right there. Remember, we already talked about the soul being the heart. It's the place where we think. We have the ability to choose our thoughts. And if the eyes are the window to the soul, man, it matters what we're looking at. It matters what we're looking at because then that becomes what we're thinking about, right? Jesus said it probably more eloquently than Shakespeare. In Matthew chapter six, verse 22, he said, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So friends, I'm just gonna ask you, what are you filling your soul with? What are you looking at? What are you watching on Netflix? What are you looking at on TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and all of the things? What are you filling your soul with? You see, you're feeding yourself something. You are, you are feeding yourself something. So it matters what you're feeding yourself. It matters what you're looking at. This is one of the reasons that the Movement Church, you will always hear us challenge you to get in the Word of God and to read it daily. Do you know why? Because we believe that what we are looking at and what we are feeding ourselves matters. So we start our day with the Word of God, with the truth of the Word of God, with the wisdom that is found in His Word so that we can apply it to our life and to our thoughts. That's one of the reasons I'm encouraging you. Hey, dive into the book of Proverbs with us. Read it every single day because what we feed ourselves matters. You know, some of you are feeding yourselves, you're feeding your soul with the endless scroll. Maybe it's lust. And you find that the movies that you're watching, the things that, are popping up on your screen, on your social media accounts, are feeding your soul with lust. And we're going back to these boxes that we tried to allow Jesus to remove and deal with, and we're just, whoop, I'm going to chase that thing down. We're holding on to it, and we're storing it there. Maybe anger. The things that you're looking at are just triggering you. And you find yourself angry all the time. Maybe it's comparison. You know, I found comparison is such a killer. The, The crazy thing about the world that we live in is we're constantly being fed something else to look at, someone else's life to view. And the scripture here. In Proverbs, it told us this, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. It says this because it's so easy to get our eyes off of what lies before me and get my eyes onto what lies before somebody else. So my question is, are you adding more things to the box that don't belong by the things that you're allowing yourself to look at, the things that are feeding your soul? Look at what lies before you. The comparison trap is deadly, you guys. In fact, comparison is the root of all inferiority. If you compare your life, your house, your children, your parenting, your spouse, your job to anybody else, I guarantee you it is a recipe for inferiority. It is a recipe for inferiority. It's a recipe for jealousy. And we're just feeding our souls. And the storage unit of our hearts are getting clouded up with the things that don't belong. So I want to challenge you. What are you feeding your soul with? I imagine every one of us online and in the room could identify some things that we've allowed ourselves to get caught up looking at that we don't need anymore in the storage unit of our heart. So what do you need to do to change it? What could you do today that would help you shift what you're looking at? Maybe some of you need to silence social media. Maybe some of you need to change the shows that you're watching. I can't speak to that for you. But if you will allow Jesus into the storage unit of your heart and say, I surrender. It's all here for you to look at, God, and if it doesn't belong, I don't want it anymore. If you'll be willing to do the work and evaluate how do I need to guard my eyes, I'm telling you the Holy Spirit will lean into you and quicken to your heart right now in this moment something that needs to change. This is how we grow in wisdom. The final thing is this. It says guard your path. The scripture says mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Listen, friends, don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. The ESV version of this says, ponder the path of your feet. The word ponder means this, it means to make level. Are you making a level path for your feet to walk on? Are you clearing out the rocks and the debris that might easily trip you up? Listen, Hebrews 12.1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I just want to ask you. That scripture says there's a path in front of us. There's a path that God has created for you to walk on. You need to know that. I don't have these scriptures in my notes, but the Bible clearly tells us, it says that you were created with a purpose. In fact, it says that you are God's masterpiece, his creation designed with a purpose to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. So you need to know God created you with a specific path for you to walk on. Your life has purpose. You may not have discovered what that looks like yet, and I hope to introduce you to my friend Jesus because he will introduce you to your purpose. But I wanna tell you, there's a purpose and a plan, a specific path for your life, but you, my friends, get to choose if you're gonna walk on it. You get to choose what that path is gonna look like. So when Proverbs tells us to ponder our path, to ponder our steps, it's actually saying make a level path. So Hebrews helps us know, how do I make a level path? I've gotta get rid of the stumbling blocks. I've gotta do away with the sin and the things that so easily trip me up. They hold me back from pursuing the purpose that God actually has for me. So what is the sin that so easily entangles you? And can I just, can I just dismantle the idea that there is one sin that is greater than another? For those of you in this room that are feeling shame because you feel like the sin that you struggle with and that is entangling you is bigger than anybody else and no one could ever have grace for you, and you deal with shame every single day, battling the lies of the enemy that are trying to keep you in bondage, I'm here to tell you there is no sin that is greater than another. And for those of you in the room that might struggle with pride and think that you've got things together because your sin's just a little sin... Hey, my friends, it's all the same in God's book. And God's grace is sufficient for you too. But what is the sin that so easily entangles you? What is going to keep you from walking in the plan and purpose God has for you? What's the stumbling block? I don't know. But I bet you do. I bet you can identify because it's what plays in the the soundtrack of your mind. So what can you do that would remove that temptation? What's one thing you could change? I think it's going to require a posture of surrender that says, as much as I don't want you to see what's in this box, Jesus, I give it to you. I surrender it to you. I don't know how I'm not going to struggle again, but I'm trusting you. Just a posture of surrender. But I would also go as far to say, just about every sin that you might find yourself struggling with, one of the greatest steps that you could take is confession. See, some of us are hoarders. (laughs) we got all these things hoarded up in our life, and we don't want to let anybody see what's in there. It's like, man, if nobody gets a peek at what's inside, they won't know how bad things really are. And the problem is it's keeping you in bondage. It's keeping you from walking in the purpose and the plan that God has for you. And so some of you are going to need to take a step of Confession. You know, tonight when we worship at the close of service, there's a station over here called the Station of Surrender. And we'll stand and we'll worship and people will be free to, to move about the room, but maybe what you need to start with is just writing that sin down on that piece of paper and crumbling it up and putting it in that basket. It's, it's just a, a sign It's an act of faith to say, God, I'm giving this to you. Nobody's going to look at them. But it may be the next step you need to take. And for some of you, I would dare say a lot of us, you may need to find a friend that loves Jesus, who you can share the struggles with and allow them to speak to some of the things you've been storing in your heart. Because if you've been hoarding, you need some friends to come help you deal with it. Some friends who love Jesus. You need them. That's why we do connect groups at the Movement Church. I just want to encourage you. God has so much for you. I've taken too long and I've kind of gone off my notes because I feel that some of you just need to be reminded God loves you. He's got really good things in store for you. The Hebrew word for path means the direction of our life. And one of the definitions of feet means action. So when the scripture tells us, mark out a straight path, the direction of your life, a straight path for your feet, the action you're going to take. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. What the author is saying is stay on target with the direction of your life. Don't be sidetracked or derailed by sin or distractions. Don't pull up a beach chair and kick back in this life that God's given you to live and just watch it pass you by. No, God has a path for you to walk down. He's got a purpose for you to be living. So I'm challenging you, don't just sit back and relax. It's time to clear the path in front of us and to say, God, I'm gonna walk and live this life with purpose because you created me with purpose. And to do that well, we've gotta guard our hearts, guard our speech, guard our eyes, and guard our path. So as I close out today, I just want to come back to the fact that maybe, maybe you came into this room or maybe you tuned in online and when you hear this message and we talk about the storage unit of your heart, maybe, maybe you really are struggling and maybe you've never made a decision to invite Jesus into your heart and to give him The reins of your life. Maybe you have. But if you were honest, you've just been running from God and trying to do things your own way and really trying to like hide all of this. God's not shocked by this. He's gracious. He's loving. You don't have to get this all cleaned up before you come to Him. You don't have to get your life in order before you make a decision to follow Jesus, you just simply have to be in a place where you say, I'm tired of doing this on my own. And I'm gonna give my life over to a God who loves me, who created me with purpose, who has good plans for me. And I wanna take this last moment and pray with you. So I'm gonna invite everyone in this room to close your eyes and to bow your heads. Everyone online, wherever you're at right now, just close your eyes. And take a moment, and if, you, if you're here in this room, if you're tuned in online, and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, today is your day. And maybe you've been running from God, and it's time to come back and get on the path that God created you for. Today is your day. And I'm just going to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. From the quietness of your own seats and the stillness of your own heart, just make this between you and God. Just say this simply, Jesus, I know that you're real. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Today I'm making a decision to follow you. And if that's you and this is your prayer, I just want you to let these words be your own. Just say, Jesus. I give you my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.